You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to the parent panel on Kindling Conversation. This is a bit of a change of pace from our usual show. Nowadays, every Friday, we invite two parents into the studio to talk about, debate and laugh about the stories we've been reading this week in the news. We'll also tease apart events that crop up in family life like birthdays, Christmas, Halloween... Is this photo going to massively embarrass them when they're 21? You just have to think about how people are going to use it. Think about how it could be used and then sort of reverse engineer your behaviour back from that. If you could put all the extracurricular activities within the school and have them run until five o'clock, that would be perfect. That's a great solution. You need to talk to the government, Nia. Were you out late or did you get to nine o'clock at least? Mate, we were out till like 10.30. (gasps) Today, when is too young to be a parent? Commemorating Anzac Day, when to keep your child home from daycare, and parents who hand out lollies. Are they really evil? Joining me today, we have Amy Harper, who's a nutritionist and author of the Pip Eats series of books. That's what I'm going to call them. We've got Baby Pip Eats, we've got Pip Eats the Colours of the Rainbow, and also Beck Finer, graphic designer and creator of Aussie Alphabet Legends. Hi. Ladies, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Good to have you here. Now, um, tell us a little bit about your families, Amy. Um, I've got Pip, obviously, who's a the, star. Name, <laughs> the name behind the books. Um, she's three and a half. And Jimmy, who's 15 months. And, yeah, Pip's a bit of a force of nature. She's quite independent and knows what she wants. And Jimmy's sort of very chilled out and happy to let everyone kind of do everything for him. (laughs) Which kind of works well. I like the sound of that. And, Beck, what about your kids? Um, I have Levi and he is four and a half. He he has, um, weirdly enough, got red curly hair, which um, is not from my husband or me. So. I was going to say, well, you're going to tell us something, Beck? <laughs> yeah, I know, which I'm going to reveal right now. <laughs> no, but he's great. He's got the um, temperament, though, of a redhead, which, you know. Fiery. Just, yeah, fiery. And then I've got Esme Dolly, who is my little girl. She's 16 months and has just, well, nearly 17 months. She's just starting to walk and we're like, go, Esme, go. <laughs> She's a little late, but, you know, she'll oh. get there. I think that that was a great service to you that she waited to walk. Both she's my a kids, lady. Yeah, my kids started walking at nine and ten months, and I wasn't. It wasn't something to be proud of. You're the kids walking past me at the park, and I'm just like trying to push Esme <laughs> along in like a Zimmer frame. Not not, not, not being competitive. Yeah, yeah, I know. Come out there. All right. Well, first up today, we're talking about being a young parent. The big story this week, of course, has been the teenage couple who took their baby and ran away from the hospital before authorities could remove their child. And I should mention when I say teenager, the father is 14, the mum is 15. And uh, I'm sure if anyone has gone online to look at stories about this um, couple and then looked at the comments underneath, there is a barrage of opinions 
from one side saying you're a parent at any age, others saying they were kids themselves and the baby's better off mm-hmm. um, in foster care. And I've just before we come to you, ladies, I've got a couple of comments from Facebook, which pretty much illustrates this divide. Uh, Tracy writes, this is a long one, stay with me. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that there is much more complexity to this case than just young parental age. The earlier discussions had not included information about the environmental concerns of the parents' current living arrangements, including significant family violence, drug use, and the fact the father was born to his mother and her previous foster son. The paternal grandmother also had guardianship of the mother, so these factors would all have impacted child protection's response. Now, I haven't fact-checked all of that, but that's what Tracy says. And Leander says, young parents can better parent than older parents. Everyone needs support. It takes a village no matter how old you are. Um, Amy, I mean, I know there's there's complexities to this story. Tracy's right. But for me, I think what it illustrates um, in part is that we are quite ageist about being parents. Do you huh. agree? Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I don't know, like it really pulls at a bit of a heartstring for me being a mum and, and you two as well. Like to have your child taken away, if you just look at it in that perspective, to have mm. a child taken away from you, then you know that's it must be devastating for the mum and then in her not having a to even have a, a choice in the matter so I think you know it is a case-by-case case, obviously thing um you know situation, situation. Mm. and I, I I don't know like I it's really hard to sort of comment on something like this and and not bring emotion to it and and feel really sad for her and her situation I I guess in in the beginning and then when you hear everything else and Mm. you know is it the media or is it you know seeing the pictures or what to think of it in a sense yeah it's it's interesting it's even don't you find I mean I don't know I had a baby when I was 30 and I felt like that was the time now that people are expecting you to have babies yeah when I had friends who were in their 20s early 20s it was a big shock and that's a really interesting thing to think about that people in their 20s are being seen now as being like almost too young to have babies where you actually are meant to have babies at that super age. young. Not that I wanted to have a baby in my 20s, yeah. you know, but it's it's an interesting... Um, yeah, and especially I feel I have to admit now that I'm I'm an ageist when it comes to mm. it. I'm not because I don't think they can parent, but because I think I left it too late. Yeah. Like I think yeah. I'm an old mum and I see young mum and, oh, mums yeah. and I think, wow, you... You had your stuff together. <laughs> totally I know, before I did. I, yeah. I, it's interesting. I, I sometimes think that maybe if you had your baby in your early 20s, you would. I, it was such a shock for me sometimes having it in when I was in my 30s because maybe because I had this huge life and it suddenly was a huge transition. So yeah. I sometimes think maybe it is better not to have it obviously too young. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, you are meant to have, um, you know, the age of consent is, six, is 16, um, you know, for driving and sex and everything. So I think there's a reason that those um, are put in place. And that's, a, I think, another interesting thing about this situation yeah. is on one hand, they are so young and, and below the legal age. Mm. Um, someone somewhere had commented he should be charged for statutory mm. rape, which mm. was like going yeah. well beyond yeah. what, what's actually happening. But um, I think the interesting thing about it, for all of the um, concerns they have for the child, that the research says what we've learned from so mm. many years of children being taken away from their parents, that it's not. babies are better left with, with their, their parents. Mom. And even though I'm sure that it would cost a lot of money to support yep. these young people, if they're starting from a place of love mm. and, you know, totally are there agree. ways of managing all those yeah. outside forces that have put them in 
Is it such a terrible place, I guess? Yeah. Like, definitely. Like, yeah, they definitely should be... If, if they can stay with their parents, then that should be the right thing. And, and we, we don't know, like you said, the facts about it, but if they had a strong parent who could help support, live with them, and that was a safe and a good environment for a baby to kind of be brought up in, and, you know, obviously there's other th- circumstances around it. So obviously, yeah, you know, it would be the best option. It's but. pretty incredible how they wanted to be with that baby so much, yes. especially I was like... For the dad, you know, he really wanted to be with that baby, which I was like, oh, God. But you well, had I, that when you had your chip, that overwhelming sense of love for that child. Yeah, I know, exactly. It. So that's, mm, it, that's, that's human nature, from someone, isn't it? You don't have a choice and yeah. it's sort of like that that side of it other than, you know, sort of. Mm. I just think, though, when I was 13 or 14. Oh, God, so oh, no. oh no. I just, I just don't even want to go <laughs> Are you there. kidding me? <laughs> I'm 40 and I still don't think I'm <laughs> a suitable parent. So. When I remember taking my baby home from the hospital and thinking, I can't believe they're letting me take my baby home. <laughs> yeah. Like, I need a licence. Like, what am I like? Drive? That two, yeah, that two-hour class <laughs> I did. Is that, is that okay? It didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> but maybe they're so unbiased and so fr- raw, you know, yeah, the younger you exactly. are. Like you said before, to your point, like, when we, I was 31 when I had Pip, so I was a lot old. Well, not a lot older. It's yeah. sort of quite average for this day and yeah. age. But if you're in, you know, that teen, late teens to early 20s, you don't really have... You know, you blink as many. Yeah, so true. You're sort of quite eyes wide open with the world. So, you're listening to the parent panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. The two parents, the two wise parents we have carefully selected for their knowledge in the studio today, Beck Don't Laugh. We have Beck Finer, who is the creator of the Aussie Alphabet Legends, which is this fabulous poster that um, each uh, letter of the alphabet has a particular Australian legend as chosen by Beck. And we also have Amy Harper, who is a nutritionist and author of the Pip Eats series. Sorry, I'm just coining that. You can yeah. tell your publishers it's now the Pip Eats series. <laughs> and we'll get to your son when, like when you publish that out. Um, up next, are parents who give kids sugar evil? You're listening to Kindly Conversation. I kind of want to just keep playing that song. Uh, this week, journalist Dilvan Yazza wrote an article on Nine Honey, and it was titled, Please Don't Feed the Kids. And basically, she was asking other parents and adults to stop giving her children sugary treats. So, is the request fair enough, or is Dilvan being a killjoy, Amy. I know you're like, whoa, she's, this is just for you. You're a nutritionist and your books are all about healthy eating for children. Yep. Do you think Dilvan has a point? Look, I think to a, yeah, she does to a point. And, and my kids aren't at that school level yet. So I, I guess I'm not aware of how, what goes on. In, and we were talking about it before, you know, when you get to school and what's handed out. But I, Pip is at creche one day a week and, you know, she gets a few little eggs for Easter and some things like that and you know what it's a celebration it's a small she knows we've talked about it you know treats and sometimes foods and and all of that so I guess you know and she's quite I want her to grow up being aware about sugar and and you know and and not being scared to have it or having those sort of body you know it, it's sort of like a, a restrictive diet that she thinks it's, it's scary to try or so I, I guess this issue this article was sort of talking about and you know 
she, it was a one day she sort of gave us. It was a, quite extreme An day. excessive <laughs> amount of, of treats for her three-year-old, which I was thinking for my three-year-old, if she had all that, it would be a total nightmare. Like we'd have a meltdown, you know, and and we've been to it. We're starting to go to a few parties now. And, and yeah, there's the little lolly bag at the end and and, and a few things like that. But I, I, I also see it as if you if you completely say no to these things and socially what other, you know, traumas are you giving your child if you put separating them out and saying, no, you can't have that and... I believe in educating them so they're aware of what these foods are and what they do to your body and how they are just an occasional and, and treat food for them. So, And you don't have to. I mean, I, I understand the uh, idea of not wanting your child to end up with multiple lollies, but yeah. at the same time, we just no. had Easter. Yeah. Mm. And what we do is we put, bundle it all up in one thing and then we ration it out. Yeah. yeah. You're the parent too. So, yeah. she, you know, you have to kind of like – you're the person in between everyone else and your child. So you can say no to them and just say, oh, look, she's had enough today. Or, you know, it's, it's okay to say no to someone giving your child a, a lollipop or a chocolate or, mm. you know. And you can do it gently. I mean, what's your take on this? Beth? Well, I mean, yeah, the kids' party scene is going hard at the preschool at the yeah. moment. <laughs> every kid apparently is invited to every party. There's like a law <laughs> that was handed down. But um, I find that, yeah, it, on the weekends it's super hard for me. Like I, I was just saying that sometimes at dinner time, you know, it gets to the end of those crazy treat days and I have to just shove vegetables in the mouth to not go to bed <laughs> feeling like my child's going to get scurvy <laughs> every weekend. <laughs> so, I mean, there are those issues. But, yeah, like, you know, the, the thing with the marshmallow at the coffee shop, thank God for that marshmallow at the coffee shop oh. because I would never get my coffee if I didn't go, you're going to get a marshmallow at the coffee shop. <laughs> and sometimes what's quite interesting about kids is, you know, they will shove, ch- like, chocolate or lollies in their mouth, but they are actually really good at saying, I've had enough yeah, too. Yeah, they are. And it's it's a great – I think I they have – more um, moderation. moderation than I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and we want to other... encourage that too, I think, and yeah. letting them know and, yeah. And working it out themselves. I mean, one of the other things about this as well, I feel, is every parent has something that they're particularly passionate about. Yes. Amy, obviously you're a nutritionist. Food yep. is really important to you. Mm. Not saying that, I mean, everyone wants their kid to eat healthy, but there are times when there are different things you prioritise, such as... I want my kids to be in bed by seven o'clock. Others let them stay up till 10. Um, Is there an expectation here of getting other parents to support your parenting style and being angry if they don't? No. Oh, I think there is a bit of pressure... Definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I always think, I think you always think your kid is also eating a lot worse than everyone else is thinking <laughs> is doing. So it's actually quite nice to see how other parents. Yeah, and be um, honest about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, it does, uh, you know, we are, uh, I live in a community where it's a very village like um, thing. So my kids are over at different people's houses eating their food and stuff. But actually, um, my, my friends around me actually make my child eat better often than <laughs> And they often eat better for other people, don't they? they? So it can work the opposite way. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have, again, some comments from Facebook. And Rochelle says, I was at a cafe in Torquay and my son wandered off. They have a crayon drawing section. That's where I thought he'd gone. Then he comes back to me with a marshmallow stuffed in his mouth. Do not feed my... This is in caps. <laughs> Who is it? I, Do, I'm from talking. <laughs> it was Amy. <laughs> but me. don't worry. It was a sugar-free, <laughs> nutritional marshmallow. Um, she said, do not feed my son anything without my permission. And Rebecca said, I had a lady give my daughter fish at a park once. I only noticed once she started chewing. Um, no, do not feed other kids anything. And I suppose there's that element as well. I, oh, yeah. What I found surprising about the article was that in my experience, most parents are cautious about giving Mm. food because of 
allergies because of other parents' concerns about those sorts of things. Um, and I, and I, one element of this is also um, stranger danger. Yeah. It's not, I know it's not quite what the article's getting at, but I did think, well, I'm okay with my kids getting a marshmallow from a barista yep. when we go to that barista all the time. But if it was just... <laughs> Some random person in the park going here have a. Yeah. I would never do that. No, in the park. no. Well, no, no. I, we I actually, wouldn't either. We like, actually have a park next door to us that um, we I'm out all the time, and if we ever do have food, you know, kids are like seagulls and wander over to you all the time and I always say look I've got some popcorn is this okay like I always have to yeah. kind of alert the parents that your kid is like about to eat you know. my child's food <laughs> well, my, kids my kids always do, do that exactly. they disappear and leave me it's like don't you like me anymore and they're always at someone else's they're at family. my hamper like, eating yeah, my bad maybe food <laughs> maybe my food's too healthy no. <laughs> hoeing into the cheesels yeah so, I mean that's interesting as well you're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guest today are mum's Amy Harper, nutritionist and author of the Pip Eats series, and Beck Finer, who's the creator of the Aussie Legends, Aussie Alphabet Legends. Up next, when should you keep your child home from daycare? Don't blame it on the sunshine. Don't blame it on the moonlight. Don't blame it on the good times. Coming on a boogie. No, you see, Beck didn't understand. She didn't get my allusion to boogies then. At least we thought it was clear. I'm just speaking to my producer here. No, she just thought we were playing a song. We're talking about snot, Beck. Oh, snot. I'm so sorry. Thank so you. unprofessional. <laughs> we're coming into cold and flu season, of course. And according to the Raising Children Network, most preschool children will have around six colds this year. So if we kept our kids home Every time they had a runny nose, it could cause a lot of disruption. But when do you keep them home? So we had, before we come to you ladies, we had some Facebook feedback about this. Um, Tanya says, I work in childcare and have my children with me. If I keep my children home, I still get charged for it and also lose a sick day only if there's enough staff to cover my shift. It's a tough one. Belinda says, keep them home. Who do I send the bill to for numerous doctor and specialist appointments? And Nina says, unless, of course, you run a family daycare service, I, if I get sick, then there's no one to replace me, which means the ripple effect moves on to the other families who use my service. We don't operate like a long daycare centre or kinder. There's no relief staff to take my place. If there's bucket loads of snot, then please keep your child home regardless of the colour of it. I too don't get paid if I don't work. If I take time off, it often means other parents can't work either. Um, Beck, have you ever struggled with this situation? Oh, like, I feel like this is my area. I'm just going to talk for the next hour. It's not. <laughs> um, yeah, look, um, I have uh, Esme actually just got her adenoids taken out because she had like infinite snot to the point where I was like, it can't be a cold. It just can't be. And she's super young to get it out. I had to keep on apologizing because no one would want to hold my child because she has got snot. It turned out to be adenoids and oh, poor the poor thing is a lot better. I think, you know, it was, it was a really good move, but I, I'm, I'm under the strong opinion that, that during winter, their noses are going to flow. I feel like if you've got a fever though, and they're not feeling well, like you can see when your kid is not feeling well, like not eating, all those kind of things. That's when you've got to make that choice. But I don't like, from my experience, my child, my other child also had a snotty nose, not adenoids. I wouldn't have been able to take him to school for the whole year. Yes. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, Amy, yeah. what's your take? No, I agree. Like if, 
if you, you seriously know if they're really unwell and they're they're laying around, they're not eating, they're exactly. not they're not really drinking much, and so I think you know, and, and life does have to go on, doesn't it? Like we have to we have to go to work and everything too. So if, you know, I get one day a week that the kids go to daycare, so that one day I have to try and pack everything into that day. <laughs> That's insane. And then um, so if if one of them is sick, I'm like, oh my god, so. <laughs> You know, maybe I was a little bit judgmental before I had kids. Oh, why do parents send? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, just in the beginning. And but now I'm like, well, if he's not really unwell, then he has to go. And you know, he's cared for really well there. And you know, it's- and it, and I think the point for me is we do know when they're really sick. We get confused when we think, are they are they yeah. too sick? But you actually, yeah, you do. do know. You can trust your instinct. There are those say- rare cases that you do send your kid to school and they do actually get worse at school. And yeah. my school, um, Levi's preschool, is super vigilant and will call and say. But I'm actually more. <laughs> freaked out my one and one of my children had that dreaded hand foot and mouth and that's the one that I'm like keep your kids at home if you got that because that ruined us when she got that so yeah um, those are the more the ones that I hate it's not the snot it's those like 16 year old gastro and yeah yeah. oh gastro you know do not send your child anywhere (laughs) keep them inside in a bubble (laughs) in a bubble anyone with gastro babies constantly have runny noses don't they so it's like you're wiping it and it's from teeth and dribble and it's made doesn't, doesn't walk, but she actually does know how to wipe her nose. Oh, I, from that same with my son. My son was the same. First year, runny oh. nose. He grew out of it, no. but it was his adenoids. He grew out of it. But, um, yeah, same thing. People would just always look at you and you'd be like, no, seriously. Yeah. This is, he had like one week without a runny nose <laughs> the first year of his life. I what know. Do? My Esme, um, the doctor told me that she had adult side a- a- adenoids. I was like, she's so advanced. <laughs> <laughs> So lucky. (laughs) All right, we're going to have a short break, and after that, we're going to be talking about explaining Anzac Day to children. Kidling conversation. There's me in me slouch hat with me SLR and greens. God help me. I was only 19. Bex just mouthing, I love this song. Oh. Sorry, you can't do anything, can you? And I'm just going <laughs> to pull it out on air. I don't like silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anzac Day is just around the corner. And this is an interesting topic for me because uh, my daughter loves, her favourite place to eat is our local RSL. And we're often there when they play the last post at six o'clock, though I'm yet to explain to her exactly what it's about. I make both my kids stand. I get them to try to be still. Um, And I'm just wondering, perhaps this Anzac Day is the time to try and explain it. But the reason I say this is interesting for me is for years now, I've been really uncomfortable with the way Australians speak about Anzac Day. Um, I think there's a difference between commemoration and celebration and uh, glorifying war and saying certain things. I know too much about history to say that someone died for us when it's so much more complex than that. But if you're child is getting to an age where you want to explain it, where you do want to um, commemorate the people that fought for us, how do you do it? Um, your kids, I know you both will give me a, it's a hard question. Um, I'll see you, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm throwing it to you, Beck. Well, Amy's just oh, put you in it. I just find it so hard. I've got to, I mean, everyone would know when you've got a little boy, he only cares, like, you know, he naturally loves guns. I don't know what's going on, but bullets killing. These are all things that he just talks about all the time. And it's not like I show him television shows about that. So for me, it would be about trying to steer it away from that kind of violent side of 
the conversation and more into the hero and what they did for good things, you know, people, hospitals, all those kind of those conversations. I think for a little boy, in, I, I mean, I know this girls can have those. I'm not being sexist, but for me, that would raising a little boy is the way that I would try and try approach to soften it. it. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it would capture his imagination, the whole gun Ooh. thing, and that would probably get him in. But it would, I'd have to start going at it from other angles. Otherwise yeah. We'd get what nowhere. about you, Amy? Do you not really like. I really miss New. I, we lived in Sydney for eight, eight or ten years, and then we moved to Victoria. And what I do miss is exactly what you said: the RSLs and how, at you know, the um, they do the. Is it? It's the last post. They play the last, the last post, post, don't they? they? Yes. Yeah. So we don't. There's not really. It's not really a Victorian thing. So I do actually just. I really miss that about living up here. But I think, um, like we take, obviously haven't taken Jimmy yet because he was only a little baby. But we, we take her to the Anzac Day parade and you know I want her to kind of grow up doing that but more as as you said a commemoration Mm. to the people who kind of you know they sacrifice so much and and also understanding that yeah the world even though it is certainly not at peace now what it what the world wars meant what historical context is around that and learning from history although we sort of yes haven't I guess in, in a sense so many other ways but um you know, How does she respond to the parades? Yeah, well, she was only sort of two and a half last last year, but I think like it was quite dark and mm. Victoria. You know, it's it's wintry down there, so she hasn't really been old enough to really understand. You know, yet I think so. This year will probably be quite good to take her and see her her feedback and and gain yeah some more insight. Um, I'm not saying so. What I've been doing this Aussie Legends Alphabet um, poster. A lot of people have been saying to me, it's got like A is for Adam Goods, B is for Bob Hawke. You know, all these. I've got Kathy Freeman. I've got and the, and people are saying, well, this is an alphabet poster, and um, kids are not meant to understand these. How kids meant to understand these legends, and I actually was going to talk about doing a D for Digger and stuff like that. But my whole idea on doing the alphabet was not to like. I don't expect a three or a four year old who to understand straight away who all these characters, these legends in Australia are. But I, I wanted to start opening that conversation up. So I feel like if it's around and your daughter is going to that parade and you're starting, I don't feel like you have to like push it down their throats or anything. I think they start to kind of. You're going to start to talk about it. You're going to start to Google it. Can I read stories about it? It's it's just starting and making it normal, not normal, sorry, but um, part of our history and yeah. and also that's that whole role modelling thing, isn't it? Exactly. I remember, Mum used to always take me to the parade, so yep. it was important to her. Yeah. And the other element of this that I can't speak to because I didn't have family in the war is those who have had family, yeah. not and not just the Great Wars. Of course, there's Vietnam. There's the soldiers who've um, served over in Iraq and different parts parts in the Middle East. Mm. I mean, that's all part of the same conversation and. Uh, what I find difficult about it is how to talk about it in a way that does respect the sacrifice people make, yeah. but also um, doesn't go into the fear of war or, you know, I did, uh, it, this is a complete tangent, but last night my daughter refused to eat her sausage because she said her throat was like, it couldn't go down her throat and she's had a sore throat and she's got massive tonsils. And I said, oh, well, maybe we'll have to get your tonsils looked at. And she was like, well, why? And I said, they might be too big for you to swallow. And she said, well, well, how do they get them out? And then I just went, oh, what have I done? (laughs) So, you know, you can get into these conversations where you're trying to explain a concept that you don't, you think they're too young to be frightened, but they're not, you know. So they can take it too. Like they're pretty resilient kids and I think we don't give them enough credit for a lot of it. So that's true. Just don't threaten a tonsillectomy if they're not (laughs) eating their dinner. (laughs) 
<laughs> I need to send my daughter down to you, Amy. You yeah. can get it. Get send it, her it do you want to send it to Esme's doctor? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we've, we're not set. Apparently, she's never getting a tonsils out. And I said that and thought, wow, you're setting yourself up for a fall there. Uh, well, look, finally, before I let you go, I did say there was a risk that this would happen to both of you at the end of this um, session, and that is I do love to talk to parents about lullabies. I have a particular um, obsession with it myself, and I'm curious to know, you may not sing to your children, but you may have been sung to as a child. Amy, is there one that you sing to your kids or one that you're fond of from your own childhood? Pip and I quite like op shopping, and a book we have found from the op shop is like all the old lullabies. So she'll often pick that and we have to read the whole book which is really long and every lullaby that is to ma- known to mankind is in this book so any any number of them and I'm trying to Do you think know all the, the tunes to them or do you have to read some of them? I don't have to sing do I? I'm a little bit too deaf. So. <laughs> That's exactly how I like but, to sing. Uh, oh gosh I, I can't really think off the top of my head which one it is but sh- Jimmy's are kind of a bit more gentler because it's sort of going to bed. Usually I sing to him, you know, incy mincy or, we'll yeah, yeah. or twinkle twinkle, which is really standard. And <laughs> oh, but it's a good lullaby. Yeah. It's a good oh, go-to, like, especially if it works. Yeah, and I don't know, like, what were the other ones from the book? I can't even think of one on the top. <laughs> no, she's doing that on purpose. <laughs> Beck, you're not getting out uh, of it so okay. easily. Well, <clears throat> I'll start singing now. Um, no, um, we do Octopus's Garden quite a bit to oh. Levi. But What's I mean, whether you what... know, I'd like to be, you know, I'm not going to sing. Come on, but, um, <laughs> and you did. The problem is, is that we're big Beatles fans, but now Levi's gotten to the age where he goes, "Stop it, stop <laughs> singing!" And I'm like, "But I'm trying to lull you, and he's like, I don't like your voice." And I was like, <laughs> "But my, we, I always laugh because my husband's grandma was Polish, and they, um, the <laughs> Robin used to sit my toddler on his lap, on the lap and do this." terrible Polish lullaby that sounded like yada yada pun like terrible and I used to be like I don't think the baby likes <laughs> that's one so those are two that stand out for me as oh, ruining our children <laughs> just an aggressive lullaby were you ever lullaby. sung to as a, a kid? yes but um, anything my mum's got this very she's South African she's got this like lovely sweet accent so she could basically sing anything and it would lull me to sleep I think it still can now, oh so. yeah absolutely <laughs> mummy god they're great <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies, thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. That's Amy Harper. She's a nutritionist, and I've been saying she's the author of the Pip Eats series, which is actually Baby Pip Eats and Pip Eats the Colors of the Rainbow. It's basically all these great recipes that follow her as she grows older. And Beck Finer, who is a graphic designer, and she created the Aussie legends alphabet so it's a poster that basically goes through the alphabet with all different legends we'll put a link up with this particular parent panel if you'd like to find out about either amy or beck and the parent panel will be back next friday from midday that's all from us this week a big thanks to elise cooper who's been producing all week and managed me very well i'm not easy to manage i'll be back on monday i'm siobhan hunt have a lovely weekend You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.
You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.